Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Maddie. Before we get to the episode, I did want to address the recent tragedy in Atlanta and kind of the escalation in violence against Asian Americans in general. I originally recorded this episode and the interview with Ryan Divish about a week ago because I was about to head out to spring training for a week. I'm in Arizona currently, actually, as I'm recording this pre-episode section. And in that interview with Divish, I mentioned the increase in attacks against Asian Americans And this, of course, was before the mass shooting in Atlanta this past week. I just want to say that my heart goes out to all of the victims and their families from that tragic attack. And to be completely honest, I haven't completely digested all of this. the, The attack this past week, the attacks the past year... But I do think that it's important to know that a lot of Asian Americans are scared right now, whether it's for themselves or their families and friends. I mentioned you know, that same part in the interview. I'm half Chinese, but I'm pretty racially ambiguous looking, which I think has afforded me some protection, to be honest. But I am scared for my family and my friends. And I think it's important to understand that words really matter. You know, calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus or the Kung flu, 
isn't funny. It has real consequences. And early on, there were Asian Americans who sounded the alarms and said, hey, we're hearing this language and now we're being spit on and verbally abused. And of course, a lot of the response, the loudest response was gaslighting. And now we're here where it's escalated to deadly attacks. And I don't want to get into all of the you know, back and forth on motive of this latest attack. When it comes down to it, the numbers tell us that there has been an escalation in violence. And those two things aren't a coincidence, right? The, the vilification of Asians and Asian Americans that has come along with some of this racist coronavirus rhetoric, and then the increase of violence. Those are connected. And I wish that I had some neat little way to wrap this up, but I don't. And this is something that we will be grappling with as a country going forward, and I hope that we can come to some sort of solution. I hope that Asian American communities across the country can get back to a place where they aren't afraid of random violent attacks that have become all too common. You know, obviously one is too common, but especially common recently. So I hope that I've at least given you something to think about. And now let's go forward with the episode. This week, we're going to be talking about an issue that we've touched on here on this podcast before, and that is Kevin Mather, the former Mariners president and CEO, who gave some really disturbing comments to a Seattle area Rotary Club that's been about three weeks now since that video came out and that also aligns with the first episode of this podcast. And I remember the video coming out and me thinking like, this is exactly the type of stuff that I want to be talking about on here. I want it to be a mix, right? Like I want it us to hit on these issues, but also be able to just be lighter and talk about baseball. But I'd already recorded that fantastic interview with Claire Smith. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. And that was set to come out the next day. So Lawrence Holmes briefly talked about the Mariner situation to start off that podcast, which was wonderful. I'm so glad that we hit on that. And then, you know, a couple weeks passed and spring training was here. And I was so excited to talk about just baseball because it's been an exhausting off season and year really and it was so refreshing to just dive into spring training stuff with Megan Montemiro, who was the last episode. And I want to be able to do some of that stuff on here too, right? I don't want it to always be heavy. That's the whole point of this, is being able to hear all these different voices in different capacities. 
So this week, it felt like a good time to finally do a deep dive into what Kevin Mather said, what the repercussions are. And it's a th- it's something that we will be dealing with for a while, especially as the Players Association and the owners go into CBA talks. And we know that that relationship is tense and seems to keep getting tenser, if anything. So it's going to be something that we're living with. And he said so many disturbing things on there. It was almost good to let it breathe for a bit before I could collect my thoughts and have the perfect person to talk to this, to talk to about this, Ryan Divish. He's both the Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times, but also someone that I got to know my first. So I did two internships, one while I was still in grad school. And then the next one was with MLB.com. It was my first internship out of college. And that was back in Seattle, which is my hometown, as I've mentioned on here before. So Divish was awesome when I came in about helping me get settled and, and get to know the beat and get my first taste of covering Major League Baseball, which I knew even at the time was what I wanted to do. So thrilled to have an excuse to touch back with him. That was fantastic. But then also he's someone who has been covering this relentlessly for the past three weeks. And the Seattle Times has done a really good job of diving in deep and hitting all the different angles between, you know, Divish and their calmness Larry Stone and others. So thought this would be a good time to bring him on and unpack some of that now that we've had some time to really digest it. So without further ado, bringing in Ryan Divish. How's the last few weeks been for you? Are you sick of talking about Kevin Mather already? Yeah, that wasn't exactly what I expected. Um, it just was, it just kind of, engulfed all of spring training and everything that led to it. Everything has kind of come from it. I mean, like some of the stuff that, you know, the stuff he said is all kind of stuff you knew about owners, but nobody's dumb enough to say it on a zoom call. Like we've been doing zoom calls for a month or for a year now. How do you not see the red recording? On the side? It's I mean, just, <laughs> just the amount of, the number of people he was able to offend in such a short period of time and in such a casual way. Yeah. He, if, I mean, like, if you look at the comments, like if somebody, when we did that, we typed out the transcript of all he said. We had a ton of people say, oh, that doesn't seem so bad. That doesn't seem so bad. Oh, we're just doing cancel culture. But if you actually listen to the video and watch it a couple of times and how elitist and kind of smug and um, just uh, obtuse, I guess would be the word. When when he talks about players, they're they're commodities. They're not people. And the way he talks about them is so indifferent. And I mean, like, and as I try to tell people, again, people who don't have, did not figure out that um, your First Amendment rights, your freedom of speech doesn't guarantee employment. And, And like, you're trying to explain that to me. What he said, 
was wrong on so many le different levels. And he did offend a ton of players. And he came off sound a little bit racist. But the worst part, I mean, to me, is you don't say the words service time and Judd Kelmick in the same sentence unless you're making sure and claiming we are not doing this. Instead, he basically confirmed that they were manipulating service time of Kelmick and Logan Gilbert and several prospects. And while every team does it, nobody is dumb enough to say it on the record. I mean, that's, it was, that was the worst thing that could happen because it just set up this whole situation where the Kelmick service time was already going to loom large over this spring training for the Mariners. Mm -hmm. But by now they're saying it. It just took it to another level to where everything they do with that kid is going to be scrutinized to the very last moment. And, and it still is right now. Yeah, I mean, they get a little bit, I don't want to call it relief because it's an injury is never good, but he had that knee injury versus the White Sox right after so many Cubs or so many uh, Chicago connections, right after the Cubs game where he hit a bomb right as Scott Service on the broadcast is saying, players will let you know when they're ready. That, the timing, the timing of that was amazing. I don't know that Scott enjoyed the timing as much as me as a writer did, but it was it was amazing. And like Kelnick, he'll say anything. He says what he thinks. He has no filter in that way, similar to Kevin Mather. And so you know he's going to talk about his service time, and he's going to talk about how he deserves to be there. And I'm like, this is great for me. I don't know about that. The Mariners PR loves it, but I love it. Right. They're clearly going into damage control now, especially with the service time stuff. Like, have have they done enough to make it not this kind of bombshell that the players union now has? Or And, you know, that coupled with the injury, where do you see that now? I mean, yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's like, it's not, like, it's not as egregious as what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. I mean, like everybody kind of knew that, but like with the Mariners, they kind of admitted it. I don't think it, nobody, I talked to like five scouts and they, all of them said last year that the kid wasn't ready to be called up out of spring training. Now he thought he was, but he wasn't. And then this, you know, what happened is the Mariners go to the alternate training site and they invite Cal McGinn and he plays better than everybody else there. Uh, and, they only put two outfielders on the roster and use all these infielders there instead. And so it looks bad that way. It was like all the circumstances. If, if, if 2020 is normal and you don't have the pandemic, Jared Kelnick starts in double A and then he goes to triple A probably by mid season. And then maybe he makes an appearance at the big league level. And you never have that kind of notion that his service time is being manipulated. But because of the way that the, everything Shook out. You had 60 games. Kelnick played really well at the alternate training site when all these outfielders did it. Then it looked bad. And then, like, what his camp was complaining about was that DePoto always talked about development and all this stuff, but you weren't getting that at the alternate training site. They were just barely practicing. So it was kind of a weird situation. A lot of circumstances had to go wrong for them to get in this situation, you know, to be accused of manipulating service time. But, you know, they're they had a meeting with that kid right before the summer camp was over with. And they told him under no circumstances would he be called up in, in 2020. And they said, this is a development year for you. And we're not calling you up. I don't know if they use the word service time or not, but they basically said, we're not calling you up no matter what. So this is, this is your world and you have to live in. Not really, really angry. Yeah. I, I'd be pissed. 
like every single athlete wants to know, okay, there's something that I can do to prove myself to straight up be told, no, this is what the plan, this is what we're doing. Not even to get into the service time implications of that. Yeah. And I mean, it was just so, and then, like the alternate training site was such a joke. I mean, like, yeah, they worked hard and they practiced, but they had these inner squad games. Faced the same, he faced the same six pitchers all the time. I mean, like he didn't, you know, and they wasn't even like, they weren't even like elite pitchers. They're all like kind of these class A guys, you know, there was a couple, a couple prospects in there, but again, like this wasn't, you know, he'd play twice a week, maybe get five at bats in one inner squad game. You don't even have a full outfield. You got coaches playing in the outfield. You know, you're not even running the bases full. It, it was just, it was a weird setup. And then, you know, to say that, and then you have the, the, you know, and they had offered him the extension in December. Um, and he said no. And it wasn't a very good extension. They wanted, it was better than the, I think the eight years, 70 million or whatever they gave, uh, or 50 million they gave Evan White. But it was kind of like what Aloy Jimenez got from the White Sox and Kelnick's camp felt that he should be closer to Ronald Acuna money. And they felt like had he played last year, he would have proven it. And the Mariners didn't do that. So when he turned down that extension, I, I think the Mariners in the back of their mind are thinking, well, this kid's going to really explore the free agent market when he's going to be done after six years of service or six years of club control. So why wouldn't we maximize out his service time and wait a year? I mean, like last year, that was the most difficult part is, is one day in the big leagues was worth three in service time because of the 60-game season. You mentioned the condescending nature from the Kevin Mather stuff. When he started talking about how confident Kelnick is, that's, yeah. that's the most I've ever heard someone being called confident sound like an insult. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, Basically, he's calling him arrogant and too arrogant to think that he's, he's you know, that he's bet too or too good for that contract extension, you know. And then, and then he's in that story. He's talking about how one of the relievers is all signed for twenty three million dollars, and I'm thinking, yeah, but you're one of the worst. You're you're a reliever in the worst bullpen in all of baseball. Nobody's paying you twenty three million dollars for anything, right? Of so course, it's like, yeah. yeah. So it's it was yeah nothing good came from that and it just was kind of confirmation and look i i've said this before i think on other podcasts but kevin mather kind of he just talked that way he likes to he liked to be kind of thought of as like the the throwback everyman type of deal you know he drinks beer and he'll tell you straight shooter and stuff so like when i was in the when we were covering the summer camp and i i mentioned to him um that you know kelnick is going to make this tough and he said, no, it's not a tough decision at all. And he goes, off the record, this is not a tough decision. Oh, we're not going to call him up. There's no way we would call him up. And he's like, you have a better chance of playing left field than he does this year because you know all the reasons why. I said, sure, I do. I mean, I said, it's smart business-wise. So, I mean, like he, so like, like there was a couple of times where I just wrote that, like, he's not getting called up, this and that. And fans were like, well, how do you know that? I go, I just know. You know, like it's, I just know, I can't say that Kevin Mather came out and told me off the record, but I can sit there and say, I have sources in the Mariners saying they are not going to call this up. And, you know, and I think Jerry DePoto even kind of talked a little bit about it without saying he's going to get called up for service time. I mean, like DePoto outlined all the stuff of how the free agency worked. And if they would have put him on the opening day roster last year, 
and he never left, he would have been a free agent after 2025. But if he, if they put him on the roster after 17 days or whatever it is this year, then he's not a free agent until after 2027, when he's 28 years old at the peak of his time. I mean, you know, the, the calculus is not difficult. And, you know, if you, you're looking at what's best for the Mariners, you want to have Jared Kelnick at 28, don't want to lose him at 26. Yeah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you're the players' union and you're looking at negotiations coming up for the next CBA, what do you? what's your solution for service time manipulation? I mean, like, you have to, you can't, you know, and, and that's the thing is, like, the service service time clock and all the stuff in the days in the big league, when that was first agreed upon, there was, it's not like they wanted to have this loophole where they can manipulate it. Somebody smart read the CBA or somebody, a lawyer or something read it and figured out that they could manipulate it. And, uh, and so then that's what they did. But yeah, I, I just think a day has to mean a day. And if like, you have to find a way to de-incentivize this, this situation. I, I honestly don't think we'll get, we're going to have a work stoppage. I don't think, I think it's just a given to me. I mean, other people might not agree, but given the way the players union and the, and the owners have acted the last 12 months and the sniping and all this other stuff and some of the little moves that they're doing, even like this, delaying the triple a season and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a move by the owners. I mean, they can say safety, but it, it's a, it's a little pressure move by the owners changing of the rules of the, the minor league level now, because they can do that. It's all little jabs, and pokes. Uh, right. They were saying it was safety for the players when they wanted to push back the sp- spring training. And yet they're like, all right, well, yeah, we're worried about your safety, but day one, we're yeah. going to have hands in the stands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the, it's the most, it's, they're, it's the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know how you would make it work. I mean, like, I guess you, you just change the way the service time clock is counted or that you, you know, you can't, you can't get a full year because of 17 days or set the limits or something or the requirements more. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, from a business standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world that, you know, as my buddy Larry Stone wrote, and he was one, you know, I mean, it's been written before, but like in the wake of the Mallard stuff, he's one of the first people to really hammer into this is that it de incentivizes teams to put their best players on the field, mm-hmm. you know? But I, I just don't know where we're going to get to, like with club control and all that stuff. But I, I, the, I can't imagine the clubs want to give up six years of club control. But at the same time, you're seeing more and more. Uh, 30-year-old free agents that aren't getting paid very well because of it because they know that the peak, the you know, the, a player's peak time is from 26 to 28 and regression supposedly starts showing in at age 30 to 31. So that's why you're not seeing these longer contracts. And it's smarter business. I mean, you don't want to give a – look at the Albert Pujols contract. Or, I mean, you were around for Robinson Cano, what that contract would have been like for the Mariners. So it's I, – I don't know, but I know this much. They – Tony Clark and those guys sent a copy of that video 
with Kevin Mather talking about that. So when they go into CBA, they say, look, we've got you. This is a CEO and a president of the team saying this stuff here. How, you know, this is what we've got. I mean, like, that's and, – and, and I don't know, like, if, if the, the players' union would, would have, you know, filed a grievance on behalf of Kelnick later, if they do it in the future, if he would have won. Because Bryant didn't win. You know, once Chris Bryant didn't win, and it seems so obvious that you thought, well, nobody's ever going to win one of these cases, these grievances. But then Kevin Mather happens, and now that possibility is right there. I mean, like, I, I am certain, and the mayor's chairman and owner, John Stanton, said he had multiple conversations with Rob Manfred. I can't imagine Manfred was very happy when he found out and he started hearing the stuff that Mather said because it just it, it just sheds a bad light, and it provides – I mean, verification of what everybody has accused the others from doing for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to take you back to the first time that you heard the video. So that's what February 21st is when it came out. And you've talked to Kevin Mather. You know how he talks. I'm sure, at least for me going through it, I don't know him. I've never actually spoken to him. But the first few minutes, I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. And then it, it all started piling up on itself. Like what was the moment when you were like, Oh, this is a big thing. Like I have to jump on this. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of told a story before, but I was eating at, in an outburger that afternoon. Like, cause we couldn't go onto the, we couldn't go into the complex um, because they, they hadn't opened up the complex for workouts to us. So they were having, so I went to the gym early in the morning. I figured, well, I'll just run my workout by going in and out. So I'm sitting at this outdoor table in and out and I see a tweet and I'm trying to, trying to read because the guy had a link to the audio or the video, but he also had notes about things he said. So I'm trying to read the notes, but in my middle age now, I can't see very well on my phone. So I'm like holding the phone about a mile from my face with a mouthful of burgers. So it looks like I'm taking selfies of myself at this in and out and I'm trying to read. And so then I have my headphones. So I just put my headphones on and I start listening to it and I was like, oh, oh. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but when, like once he said the stuff about Kelnick and they said it was a risk about not call, putting their prospects there. And if they had, if they had had COVID outbreak, they weren't calling him up. He would have been, his big tummy would have been left. Field. I was like, Ooh, God, this is really bad. He's admitting that they're, they, they kept everything down because of service time. And then, you know, and then, and then he was, when he was griping about Iwakuma's interpreter at 70,000, I'm thinking, I mean, the Mariners are notoriously cheap for how they pay their employees anyways. I was like, yeah, this is, this guy's griping about that. And then I'm, and then the stuff about Julio and his English not being tremendous is like, oh, I'm like, yeah, just the tone of everything that he said. I, I listened to it once, thought it was pretty bad. I listened to it again. I go, this thing is going to go viral. And, and Larry Stone, I'm texting him at the same time and calling him and, um, and he said he had the same reaction. He's like, he listened to it once. He said, I don't know. And then he listened to it again. Go, this is, he goes, this just keeps getting worse every time I listen to it. I was like, yeah, this is bad. And I was like, it's like he's alienating or criticizing every player on the team. Like he, he called Kyle Seeger overpaid. It was like, you know, he had to take the job. Like Kyle Seeger has been there forever. And he's going to be, he says he's going to go in the Mariners Hall of Fame. Then he goes, well, he's a little overpaid. I want to say, well, you're the one who approved his contract extension. You were the president. You were so easy just to not say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like Julio Rodriguez. 
English, not tremendous. Well, it is tremendous, actually, for a kid that was born and raised in the Dominican Republic and is like the shining example of their academy in terms of getting his high school diploma through their academy, taking English as a second language classes, getting better, doing all your interviews in English, not relying on an interpreter, all those things. He's like the shining example of what they want. And he's like, his English is not tremendous. And I'm like, oh, well, how's your Spanish? You know? right. And so... And like all these things, like he had all these little asides about every player that just could have been avoidable. But I think he thought like, oh, this is locker room talk. I can say whatever. This makes me a cool guy because I'm going to talk like you guys are the fans. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you're a president. Comport yourself that way. But honestly, because I've talked to him several times, I, I wasn't surprised at any one thing he said or that he said it. Like the things he said and the way he talked and kind of the arrogance and all that stuff didn't phase me in the least. I'd heard that kind of stuff come out of his mouth before. I wasn't surprised by any of it. And the way he talked about so openly about that stuff, because that's um, how he talked around me. He'd always just say this, you know, off the record, you know, and he, but he was very cavalier in the way he talked about stuff. So that part didn't surprise me again, like that he did it in a forum like zoom where it could be recorded. And he doesn't know these people. How did he know? Like, even if he didn't think it was being recorded, like even if he was doing it at a at a at an in person meeting, somebody could have had their phone on record and, and recorded it and sent it to me or something like that. I mean, like easily, you know, yeah. And it's like Jerry Depoto does that talk every year. Scott Service can go there. They're not going to step on his faces, but the, this guy, like I think I wrote that he uh, put his not only did he put his foot in his mouth, but he just kept trying to talk through it all and not even trying to remove it. It just was. It was so. It was so just unaware. And, yeah, setting, oh, and no good. And I mean, like I just like I said, I didn't I wasn't surprised that he said any of those things, but I was surprised that he did it in a way that could be recorded. Yeah, a setting like that is set up for every executive to succeed, right? You've got friendly yeah. you've got friendly questions from fans. You're not you're not gonna be hounded by reporters in any of this. Like you just go in there and say nice things about the team and you're going to come out looking great. No one's ever going to hear about it. And he just did completely the opposite. I want to dig into the, to me, the service time and the like xenophobic thread were the two biggest things out of there. Obviously, I, I think you, you wrote down the list of everyone that he offended in there and it's a long list, but Let's dig into the the Julio Rodriguez comments and the Iwakuma translator ones. I mean, to imply that Iwakuma didn't have, like, been swindling them because, quote, his English suddenly got better when they said that they didn't want to keep his translator. Like, how how did that strike you? I was pretty... um... One, Iwakuma's English is not good. So when he says, oh, his English is great once he didn't have his cancer, I was like, no, it's not terrible. I mean, he's he's super he's super conscious about the fact that his English isn't very good. That's why he has a translator. Two, like Major League Baseball and the Mariners, you know, were um, they didn't follow this rule quite as much as they should have, but they were supposed to have a, a, a full-time translator for their Latin players, and they didn't have it. And um, And so, you know, I mean, like, it's, it was kind of funny though. It's like he insulted a Japanese player and a Latin or and a 
a, a Latin player. Who have they been the two biggest stars in the Mariners in the last 15 years? Felix Hernandez and Ichiro Suzuki. You know, Felix didn't need a translator, learned English, was very proud of his English. Ichiro always had a translator. I mean, like, these are your two stars, your two faces of the franchise. I mean, some were writing about who's the next face of the franchise. And here you got the president just sounding like a moron and, and just sounding so indifferent to the concept of what these other people go through. I mean, like, again, like, you know, Julio is 18 or 19 years old. He's been doing English interviews for the last three years. He worked hard. He was a diligent student in their academy to learn English, was very proud of the fact that he learned English. They have a show, a YouTube show called Vibin' with J-Rod. I mean, like. So impressive. Yeah. And so, and for him to say it's not tremendous, it just shows that, like, he probably hasn't had very many conversations with Julio or that he thinks that, you know, the little bit of accent or the heavy accent he has is is not tremendous. Well, I'm thinking to myself, like, again, like, let me hear your Spanish. You know, this is a kid that that has done a lot to be where he's at, and it would be easy for him to rely on a translator as a crutch, and he doesn't do it. And, like, with the, the Japanese translator, I mean, again, like, the culture is so different. And they paid for a translator for years for Iwakuma. And they're not just, like, translators. They they help them in the life aspects, you know, because they're, they're, you know, they're dealing with stuff that the average player doesn't deal with. And so I just was kind of like, I, I mean, the more that whole stuff was just so, so petty. And, again, like, $75,000 he's complaining about, yeah, that's a lot for us. But that's not a lot for him. This is an organization that paid Sean Figgins $18 million over two years not to play for them. They're still paying, you know, $5 million. They're still paying on contracts for G. Bruce and Robinson Cano. So I'm like, that's not a lot of money. And think about this. You're living in Seattle. That's really not a lot. You know, a major city, you know, 75000 But, you know, I want to say that they probably spent more on Kevin Mather's um, uh settlements for uh employee conduct than they have for that yeah yeah to be for him to complain about about extra money spent like he's the last person who should be bringing any of that up yeah it just reeks of hypocrisy on every level and it just and that's again that's and i mean that's the thing is like i guarantee you other owners think like kevin mather because they're all kind of the same like they all come from the same background. They're all middle-aged white guys who went to business schools that are very good at business and make lots of money, but they only associate with that one aspect. You're you're Japanese, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, my mom is. Did did that I mean, not to you know, obviously all of these things are awful. I'm not trying to do a hierarchy of of insults, right? But just on a personal level, did that part hit any different? I mean, not necessarily. Um, but you know, I mean, like (laughs) I went to Japan with the Mariners and that culture and that lifestyle. I mean, I saw what, how my grandma and my grandpa and everything, and they had to come over here and learn this stuff. I was just like, yeah, this is difficult. And they went through a lot. And I just don't know that again, Kevin Mallard kind of understands that kind of aspect of it. Yeah. And languages are so different. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, for me, I, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm half Chinese, very racially ambiguous though. So, yeah, <laughs> it, 
Yeah. It, you, there's been so much, so many racist attacks against Asian people recently. And, you know, be, for both of us, like you can't pinpoint what we are walking down the street. So it's harder to, you know, just hurl slurs or anything. At yeah. But like in that context and like worrying about my family and hearing all of that. And then on top of all the, the um, Jerry Porter stuff. So recently, like I didn't expect mm-hmm. it to hit differently, but like just viscerally, it was like another gut punch. It's just, again, like we, we just kind of mentioned, it's just these guys live in their own little world and they think that they can kind of say and do what they want and nobody holds them accountable. We're starting to find out that maybe that's not so true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so, so many players that I talked to after this, and I'm sure you've had way more conversations about this with players, but a lot of the sentiment was like, we knew this and we're just glad that the fans get to actually see it because there's so many little things that like even if you've talked to Kevin Mather and you know kind of what he's about there's nothing that you can report there right you can't just be like guy's a dick (laughs) like that no story no I mean like yeah and like when that stuff came out and he resigned I had probably 15 employees from the Mariners former and current text me and say like this guy got his come up and he should have been fired, but I'm just happy he's gone. It's better for the organization. So yeah, I mean like it's, he was not a good guy. I mean, you talk to the people that work for him. He's not a good guy. He's, you know, he, he's that guy that kind of liked being the businessman and like being the jerk when he needed to, you know, be like every company, like successful in business, He's a guy that has to be a dick and says all the mean, does all the mean stuff and says all the hard things, you know, like makes the decision on who's getting laid off or whatever. Kevin seemed to relish that. He liked that role. And, um, you know, that's where he was good at. And, you know, now he's, now he's not doing that anymore. Right. Um, I've heard all the, you know, the classic this will bring us closer together type of comments coming out of, out of Mariners camp, but just being there, being around the team, like what, what has been the sense that you've gotten is, is that, is that real? How, how are they all dealing with this? No, I mean, I think, you know, they got some shirts and stuff and stuff like some of his comments, like Marco Gonzalez, cause he called Marco Gonzalez very boring. So somebody, one of the local t-shirt companies made up Mariners color shirt to say very boring and Marco bought them all, gave them to all the players. But I mean, like, you know how it is though. Baseball players have the capacity to like compartmentalize and move on. And like their day-to-day life is so focused on getting better as a baseball player that they just, I think they, most of them have moved on. They're like, yeah, they were pissed off at first, but like, okay, I got to go back to figuring out how to hit a curveball. Right. You know, right. they're professional compartmentalizers. Yeah. Well, how's you, how have you been able to move back to baseball? Are you through all of this? Yeah, you I think call so. You, like, hey, it's three weeks later. I'm going to extend all of your your podcast. No, I, no, it's it's been. I think so. Once the game started and stuff, but it's always lingering there. Like, if Kalanick returns back to the field from the knee injury this week or gets back on the field and it's going to start up all over again. Cause that's, again, they're going to be scrutinizing how they handle that kid and what they do with him. So yeah, that part will be watched quite closely. And 
you know, I think that's where we're at. We'll always be there until he's up. It's always going to be there. And I don't know how long that's going to be, but I think that part has, and like, you know, I'm sure like, you know, I think some of our editors wanted to stick around because it was good clicks and juicy and salacious, but same time is like, that's kind of where we're at. Unless somebody comes forward and says more stuff about Kevin Mather and even that point he's gone, you know, and Stanton confirmed that they're changing the ownerships or the, the Mather's no longer going to have an ownership stake in the team. And, and also that um, they're changing up how they structure their, um, their leadership group. So, I mean, that all is still there and they hire a president to replace Mather officially, then that will be news. But for the most part, baseball has come back. Except for when everybody asks about Theo Epstein every day. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get back to actual baseball. Thanks so much for joining me and yeah, not a problem. All this again. Um, yeah. Best one yet, right? After after the thousand yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been another edition of More Than White Man's Game on the House of L Podcast Network. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Lawrence Holmes, and I will see you all next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.